Welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we talk about two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies. Sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, other times giving ourselves the opportunity to watch the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I am your host, Carlos Cooper, with me as always. Joe Hilliard. And Dave Gurney. And I will apologize. On top of the show, I'm a bit uh, congested from allergy season. So I, didn't hear, even, I didn't even notice if it. If you hear me sniffling, uh, I'm sorry about that. We're going to open a beer, though. Allow me. Okay, okay, okay. You talk all about it. I think you fetched us this monstrosity of a crawler. It's yeah, huge. It's a 32-ouncer. It's going to be a fun episode. Uh, and then... The episode we record after this is going to be a fun episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I went to San Antonio with uh, my wife this weekend that just passed to hang out with some friends of ours, um, Elaine and Adon. Uh, actually, I had a conversation with Elaine before I came here. She said the shining sucks, and I told her that she sucks. Um, <laughs> she doesn't suck, though. But uh, yeah, so we tried to hit as many breweries as we could. I knew I wasn't going to be able to fit in actually hanging out and like, taking in the whole experience of this particular brewery just because of scheduling and what have you so on our way to their house the night we got into town i stopped in and as i was telling you guys before we started they uh have a very efficient crowler situation where they make them ahead of time i guess at the beginning of the day and stock a cooler with them so you can just pick them up go you don't have to wait for anything you know it's efficient did, go, you, did you mention the... Way. You said they. Did you mention the brewery? Roadmap. Yeah, Roadmap, Roadmap Brewing. Out of uh, San Antonio. Uh, San Antonio. I have not had their beer before. Thank you for bringing this. I also hadn't either. And this one had... I think this one had just come out last weekend. Okay. Like right before it's fresh. we went. Um, so yeah, it's a pretty recent one. It's uh, Or at least this batch of it. Maybe they've done it before. Uh, but it's called Violet You're Turning Violet. <laughs> it is a blueberry sour with lactose. Comes in at 6.3%. And it's violet all right. It and is. that's our only movie tie-in with this beer. But when the That's true. when the wrong movie, but but when the title of the beer is a quote from a film, well, you we'll can't you it. can't go wrong. We'll allow it. Delicious pairing, right? So uh, what are we drinking? I just told you. Yeah, what, what's the, what's the, what is the style again? I, uh, it's a fruited sour with mm, lactose. Mm, ABV. We're gonna make sure it's six point three percent. All right. Uh, what's so, this podcast called? Beer, right. beer and a movie. <laughs> um, and what movie we're we talking about today, Joe? Well, before we do, do you mind if we talk a little Texas oh, beer yes, news? Yes, there's been. Do you uh, mind? There's been some uh, controversy. Not since Picklegate yes, have we seen true. a controversy as thick, Texan thick. And if you're not listening from Texas, I'm sure you've heard of Shiner Bach. I think they're uh, distributed more or less nationally, aren't they? You can, you can get them various places throughout the they country. They are in other parts of the country mm-hmm. listed in the craft beer section. Sure. Which. I, I realize that they are. Which is technically true. It is, right. but because it's so commonplace here in Texas, it right. almost seems like a domestic, because like any bar you yeah. go to, they'll have Bud Light, Miller Light, Shiner Bar. Well, Shiner is a small town in Texas, about 60 miles, I'm working from memory here, don't uh, don't get mad if I'm wrong, east of San Antonio. Okay. Right. And they are, th- their biggest industry in this small town is their brewery and it is a it is a craft brewery by definition it, it, it meets the criteria for barrel number of barrels produced per year i'm having a complete brain fart so david please help me what's the name of the brewery spetzel it's, yeah, it's, it's not shiner some people think it's just shiner brewery it yeah, is right. a special spetzel brewery and shiner is their biggest product and recently at a shiner based mu- music festival the uh the big boys came in and attempted to have a uh, uh, what might have been successful marketing in any other town, but when you come to Shiner and you are Carbach, uh, who is out of Dallas? 
Houston. I'm, I'm horrible yeah. at telling the story. Carbach the story is, is really, Houston. if I told you, it's working from memory. Carbach is a, uh, a, a previous craft brewery that was purchased by... AB InBev. That's what I said. Yeah. And uh, they they were going to come into this festival as the big sponsors of the festival, the uh, the, the 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 big company, mm-hmm. and and they put billboards up and banners all over town saying there's a new Bach in town. Yeah, they're Crawford Bach, and the which folks, is okay. The folks in Shiner just did not take kindly to that, and no. uh, the Shiner uh, Shiner put out. I guess they have a newsletter called the Shiner Gazette, and they they. They hit Carbach hard, basically saying, hey, come and take it, you motherfuckers, if you think that you're going to en- encroach on our territory. And it made me say, you know what? That's it for me. I'm never drinking Carbach again. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Bold. Well, you don't mess with Bold. Texas. You don't mess with Texas, especially if you are a Texas-based company that, of Indie course, company. is no longer a Texas-based company because yeah. it's been bought out by the big boys. And if you're going to start playing Texas games like that and, and, and mess with our, our people, yeah, no. No, thank you. Which leads to the larger question, at what point do you draw that line? Because they got bought out several years ago. So you've been riding for a while. And well, when I say what? I've been riding for a while, when they got bought out, well, okay. I'll, when they got bought out, you said when it, the quality decreases, that's when I'll stop. Right. right. And I've noticed a huge decrease in quality of Carbox yeah. since they got bought out in a way that I haven't with, say, Lagunitas. I can drink a Lagunitas now and enjoy it, enjoy the flavor just as okay. much as I did before that they, they were bought out. Okay. I haven't seen a big decline in quality of New Ballast yet. And of course, their acquisition. Ballast point? Ballast point. Fuck me. New Balance sneakers. <laughs> they make a fine beer, New Balance sneakers, yeah. that with Ballast a neon point. in on every bottle. Ballast Point, thank you. I've visited the brewery in San Diego before they were purchased. Um, I haven't seen a decrease in their beer either, and that had been my thing. I used to have that big line in the sand, no beer if you've been bought out, but then I relaxed that, and I'll explain why in a second. But I'll, David, answer to the, I guess answer Carlos's question, what is your line when it comes to the big boys? I don't know that I have a clear line. I, I definitely it it shifts that brewery into a different category for me, where they become less important for me to try things by them or to follow them necessarily. But in times of desperation, and and I guess I would point to festivals like this, where you know we have street festivals this time of year here in yeah. uh, in South Texas, and almost all of them are hooked up with a particular distributor that's hooked in with AB InBev. And so really the only things you can well, get there... AB InBev owns LNF Distributing. Okay. But Andrews is not AB InBev. Okay. So there are two different distributors. They're Miller Coors. But, yeah, Miller so, Coors. But I was going to say, but but Andrews doesn't do most of the street festivals. I don't think they do, but they do a lot, they do a lot of stuff. They just don't do quite as many. Right. I mean, I the vast but, majority of times that I'm at our, our whatever it is, yeah. it's I'm I have my bud options, yeah. and then the Carbach are the craft options. But and, I guess my point is that they're not AB InBev is not hooked up with different okay. different distributors. That is, Very their, they own that one. distributor, yeah. and they okay, they, yeah, they own it. Well, vertical the, integration, capitalism. The, there you go. So that that, that when you're locked I in, I feel it's going to be a theme of if, the episode. If you want to drink, it's kind of uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, and and that means that sometimes I I don't drink at the street festival, yeah. but occasionally so that is when the I line do, that you have drawn. Well, it's like I said, but then there are times when I I was just at the mm-hmm. Dia de los Muertos festival, and I did have a hopadillo there because I wanted to drink a beer on a lovely fall day outside 
And it just seemed like, okay, well, I'm not going to give up the opportunity to do this out in the street in a time when I wouldn't normally be able to. But what about purchasing at the grocery store? I know you don't have to because you have a seller a mile mile deep. But but even so, there's so many options on the shelves these Mm -hmm. days, even at our local grocery store. But certainly if I go to the liquor store, you know, the package store... I don't. It's you don't need it's to. not a hard. It's not a hard right. ch- choice to make. No, I I haven't bought a Carbox six pack or even Bomber in probably two or three years. See, it's difficult home. not to. That's not that's not true because you did. What was that one that we had? Oh um, God! What you're? It you're was gonna... like the mole and uh, the Hellfire oh, pack. That was given to me. Oh okay. But that's. <laughs> I mean, no, that's you know. I have a, a friend who was looking out for me, and he yeah. and we've traded beers in the past, and he brought me that four pack. Okay. And so you're right, we did have that. That was their uh, Hellfighter, yeah. right? It wasn't terrible. It wasn't on bad. It. No, they're they're not terrible. Uh, no, but what you know, it is terrible now. Is the <laughs> the Love Street has gotten bad. It's like really malty mm-hmm. now, really. It, yeah, in a real. I gross never, way. I never really liked that. I mean, and I love like Street some from Carbox, but yeah, Love Street from Carbox, yeah. real gross way. See, but I, I also haven't bought it. It is time. difficult for us to not be subjective, considering that we live in the city that we live in, objective. and it has the no subjective to Corpus Christi, where where we record. Oh, okay. It is it. We have oftentimes and in bars only what is available that they're pouring or at the street festival or the the music festival. And because the distributors in our town have such a lock over the, um, the industry Mm -hmm. in a way that you wouldn't see in a more, uh, in a larger population city, a a city that's more woke, if you will, with uh, their beer selection. Sometimes you'll go to a bar and the selection is full on in Bev. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, if you they, want a craft selection, it is going to be Carbach, right? yeah, or uh, now, in the case of one beer, one beer bar that I'm thinking of, you've got your Ballast Point. Yeah, that, but that that's also because you know because we're dealing with such a large company, uh, they'll install and like run your oh, yeah. tap lines right. for and you, come do a cleaning you, service, and you dedicate X Y Z number of yeah. taps to them. So I mean. It's hard if you're a business owner, not and that's to when you have to make a choice. That expense from you know. See, that's uh, when you have to test the theory of what your line is. And now, yeah. as I say, well, Tapology's done it successfully. They're like fuck Inbev, yeah, and don't fuck with them, and right. like do it whatever. But but it's also forty craft, forty on craft. Purpose. Well, yeah, yeah. I think you can get a Miller Light in a bottle under the bar. I think you can. Yeah, you can, but yeah. they don't tell. They don't tell. People <laughs> they don't about promote that. Right. They don't promote that. Yeah, I think that. I think that, especially in Texas. Mm-hmm. There's so many places where if Carbox available, Shiner Box available. And I'll go Shiner Box over Carbox any day of the week. And that's not just in light of these recent events. It's just, I've you know, it's been a while since. So I've your line is here. hard. It's not like the second it gets bought out, as yeah. our friend Daniel said, Daddy needs his Bourbon County barrel stout. <laughs> and I'll still get that. <laughs> well, even there's, so there's an exception bed. that I've made yeah. over the last Until few I years. Until I assume you see a decline in quality, and then you can make the decision very easily. Yeah. And they uh, even had an some quality issues, they not did. even so much with the batches they sent down here. But uh, a couple of years ago, they were having some infected bottles go out. I'm I'm not sure. I may not buy this year when it when it comes out. That that one may be over for me, too. There's, there's enough barrel-aged shit out there these days. I mean, seriously. I'm at no no loss for barrel-aged options when it comes to it. And hey, they were some of the originators, and I'll give them that credit. But at this point, I don't need to follow that uh, train to get the bourbon barrel-aged. We were having this conversation on our three-way chat, and finally one of us said, okay, stop talking about it. We'll we'll bring it to the show. But you did ask a good question, Carlos, and that's what am I going to do with my Four Corners El Chingon? 
Yeah. Yeah, that's I a mean, big I don't have to you. worry. That's a fucking garbage beer. <laughs> right. Um, I, mean, I mean, right. I know that it is your opinion. I yeah. find it to be delicious nectar. But they I, were I'm also not... bought out. I know. Yeah. Yeah. What do I do, guys? Now, now, now the thing what about... What do I do? The thing about Carbach is, though, and I, I didn't know this when I first started drinking their stuff, and... As I quoted our friend Daniel earlier, I have to quote him again because Carbach helped get him into craft, and same for me. And right. I know there's a lot of stories like that out there, especially people that have gotten in more recently. A sentimental tie to the beer. Well, it's not even that. It's just like they got me into it, and mm-hmm. I wasn't in the know of what was happening in craft beer already. I did not know when I first started drinking their beer that their entire business plan revolved around getting bought out in like four years. Right. Like that was their goal from the get go. So, how craft yeah. were they ever, you know? <clears throat> well, that's in that. Bunch it, of pussies. <laughs> and, it, and actually, Very hard and, and I would say, out of my respect for pussies. <laughs> I mean, Love I would, I would not, I would not put them in that category. I would put them in the evil, you know, capitalist category of just wanting to dominate market. And sure, to okay. me, that's the problem. The problem yeah. is the spirit of craft beer is collaboration, community, a level of independence, um, yeah. in experimentation, innovation. Those are the things that I am drawn to craft beer for. And when you have a, a company like Carbach that is gunning to be sold to a bigger conglomerate so that then they be- can become the craft-like part of their portfolio. Yeah. Crafty. To me, Craft-ish. that that just sort of, it robs that spirit of craft beer and makes it into a marketing ploy that then becomes something that we just have, you know, it's going to get dumbed down over yeah. time and it's just going to, and, it, and it's even going to choke out the market in terms of those players. Which is their goal. Who are trying to, go, yeah, right, trying to do good things. So that's where. And that's why, the, that's why the, the, you draw the line. If yeah. your goal is to thwart the very thing that we are here to enjoy, then I cannot give you a dollar mm-hmm. to assist you in your in, in your means. Yeah. And so it's a hard decision for me. When I go to that bar where the craftiest thing that is available is a uh, Sculpin from uh, Ballast Point, yeah. am I ready to say vodka and soda, please? Mm, no yeah. beer for me tonight. Yeah. And I don't know if I am. But but as as each player begins to expose their tactics, yeah, and Carbach in this case going up against Shinerbach and 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 just what a dumb move, yeah, in a city that's employed that employs that is employed largely by the brewery, yeah, and I think we can agree that Carbach, scumbag, I'm done with them forever, scumbag move, Ooh. Shiner forever, yeah. Um, and yeah. so now it's what do I do with my El Chingon? And I guess we'll keep you posted. <laughs> and then now to the movie. To the movie, Parasite. Bye. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just said that in like the most like Parasite. But I don't know. The, the, uh, By Bong Joon Ho. Yeah, this is a movie that I was really excited about. Me too. For Drafthouse recommends. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Be- being distributed by Neon here uh-huh. in the states. Um, you know, th- this is a uh, much celebrated Korean film that won the Palme d'Or at Cannes just a few months back here earlier this year. First South Korean film to ever do that. First, yes. Or, or you know, any Korea. No, the North's well, never yeah. won either. But yeah, no, <laughs> but, but certainly but the bef- first one. But before that, the highest prize a Korean film had won was Old Boy. That's right. Which won a measly second prize. Right. But Yes, um, but he, here we finally That have, was a while ago. It mm-hmm. was, yeah, 15 or yeah, so years ago. A movie ago. you should yeah. see if you haven't. Yeah, come sure. on. If you haven't seen Old Boy, I mean, good but, God. Yeah, right. Don't watch the Spike Lee version. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, 
you, you know, Bong Joon-ho, much celebrated director who's done a lot of interesting genre films. And when I say genre films and not a specific genre, I'm doing that on purpose because he kind of actually plays around with genre a lot, right. like horror, sci-fi, yeah. mm-hmm. monster movies. Yeah. Um, Similar it, to Robert Eggers, who we talked about last week. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I've really enjoyed a few of his films in the past. I have not seen all of them. But when I heard that this one won the Palme d'Or, that definitely piqued my curiosity. And when the trailer started playing um, before other films, it instantly, and especially some of the critical, uh, you know, quotes that they were pulling, yeah. you know, like, it starts out one way and turns into something else. And it, it just, it got me really excited for uh, what this was going to be. Which, uh, on its surface, at least initially, is a fairly straightforward story of a impoverished family living in, uh, you know, an urban area in in South Korea. A semi-basement. In a semi-basement dwelling. And they are just trying to scrape by, make ends meet, and the son of the family gets a job as a tutor with a ultra-wealthy family. Well, it's important to say he tricks and scams his way in into getting that job. Well, there, he there, doesn't. No, 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 no. His friend recruits him and says, They, they Photoshop fake university credentials. Yeah, but, but it, at his friend's behest. And he behest, tells a lie. At his friend's behest. Uh, sure. Right? Yeah, but, yeah, it's, it's because his friend who got the job in a more legitimate way, says, mm-hmm. you're the only person I trust to do this because that friend is in love with the girl that he's tutoring and thinks that his the guy he's recommending won't try to steal her away, right. yada, yada, yada. Right. So, you know, he does get in by maybe some unsavory There is trickery means, that goes on, but, but, it, but it's not like he is scheming initially to get it. It's more yeah. that he is... He has to be convinced to scheme, yeah. right? I mean, he's his friend kind of has to pull him into it. But then everything after, but that after that is yes. them finessing the family. Uh, <laughs> to, to the point where the entire family be, gets is working employed, for the yeah. family. And so that, Through that's Through a series where, of cons yeah. that, are, that, that are brilliantly executed on screen. That's where the cons come in, because like, not only are they conning their way into the job, but they are scamming other people out of the jobs right. by planting these traps to get them fired. See, they're so good at it. They're great. And it's so natural that I just, I made the assumption that they had learned, you know, the skills of do be employed and make an income at any cost prior to that moment. I guess both of you took it as they've stumbled into a, the notion that they're good at this no, so that I mean, if they were if they were good at scheming, they wouldn't have been living in the sub basement dwelling and folding pizza boxes for a living, right? This was something that he sort of stumbled into because his friend came no, up with a scheme. That job, I, that right. job, I understand. And, but I just, then I think once he was in there, I think okay, here are these other opportunities. And the first one, somewhat organic, right? He sees this. Oh, we really, you know, the son's kind of troubled, and it would be great if he had, you know. He, but he's got this artistic streak, and oh, but I know. We see the light could, bulb go off, right? So that that one's somewhat organic. Although, he brings in his sister to be the art teacher, and but she not, does a, a, a an amazing job at convincing right. them of her. Uh, abilities to do so yeah realizing later or revealing later i just googled a couple of things right right um and so so that one seems somewhat organic but then they do with the parents Mm -hmm. 
resort to really getting people who are already in place, the driver for the family and the housekeeper for the, the, the main sort of housekeeper maid for the family. Who predates the family in that house. Right. Well, she, she's she's been, been there, with the yeah. house, yes, which is an important point when we get later in the film right. and, and the big twist happens. There's a lot of, yeah. Yeah, which, as, as everybody should know, listening to the podcast, we are definitely, we get spoiler heavy, so if you don't want to know what happened, I would recommend pause this because this is a film that I think probably rewards you for not knowing a whole lot going that into is the, it. That's the truth. Yes. And uh, go watch the film and come back to this after you've seen it. But if you've seen it, please come along with us because boy was this an amazingly well pulled off film on so many levels i thought so one thing that i think is interesting about this film is that it asks you to hate and love each of the two sides of this both families Mm -hmm. at different times it like pulls you back and forth in a way that creates like this sense of moral ambiguity, which is really much more thought provoking than a good guy, bad guy story. Right. And so like for me personally, I was very sympathetic to the plight of the impoverished family, like really trying to just scrape by, you know, they're not trying to exploit these people to make millions and like, no. you know, whatever. They're, they're literally they're just doing trying to the survive. Work. They're doing the work. Yeah. It's not like they are, you know, again, yes, does the sister google some things to find out what art therapy is and how she might have sure but when it comes down to it does she go there and do art with the kid and does he love her and does he get something out of that yes yeah likewise with the tutoring likewise with the housekeeping likewise with the driving right they're actually doing those jobs for the family yeah but when the family leaves to go on their trip and they're just sitting there like (laughs) drinking all their liquor Mm -hmm. eating all their food and they yeah they're and you know maybe and ruminating just, on 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 how dumb the rich are yeah for buying that kind of shit like well, wasting money on it and right like, and it's know. also very important to say at the very beginning when the friend of the son who gets him in the right. door yeah he explains that the way They're that you'll make this work is that the mother is yeah. not that is smart. simple yeah, yeah. I think that's the word he uses. He does. Simple, yeah. simple which I believe is gullible. criticism. Of, you know, I know we'll get into some class stuff soon, but is criticism of the rich in general. Yeah. Although the husband is not really simple at all in the sense of he's a very, very intelligent man who has built a, a company based on technology and science. Yeah. yeah, but he but he is uh, gullible. Not not necessarily gullible, but heavily influenced by his wife. I guess like he's willing to do most of what she says to make her happy. Right. right. But anyway, so when they're sitting there, it's I don't know. It's a strange kind of like gluttonous moment where maybe it's just like the you know Judeo Christian brainwashing of like being brought up in that kind of society or whatever. Um, Whereas I assume Korea is not as Judeo-Christian as uh, we are here in One America. One would think, yeah. um, I don't know that for sure, though. Don't quote me. But anyway, um, you know, there's just, you get this kind of, like, icky feeling about them. Like, oh, man, they're really just, like, trying to take these people for everything they're worth. Like, this is a weird kind of moment. Like, I don't know. I don't know. That part made me kind of not... I, I didn't think they were bad people. But it, it, it does evolve, I think. But, it, but, but, I, but then that's when it changes. And yeah. it's like... Like, shit gets really crazy. Uh-huh. We find out that there's, like, an underground uh, situation. Bunker, yeah. yeah. Um, a, a, a bomb shelter, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, the Panic family, room bomb shelter. The family comes home first because it's uh, 
torrential downpour. So then they have to hide everyone but the housekeeper because they're not supposed to be there, and they're doing all this stuff to try to hide what they've been doing, sweep everything up under the rug, all this stuff. Um, but... Well, during the rainstorm, the old housekeeper comes back. Comes right, back, right. yeah. And, and then goes downstairs and, where her husband's she, been living for like four years. Right. People come home. Yeah. They're hiding. They're trying to hide these people right. down there because the family doesn't even know that tunnel system exists. Right. Uh, and and then it becomes like, you know, they're doing terrible things to hide their secret. You know, like brutalizing this woman, you know. Kicking, is, her, kicking her down the stairs, she hits her head. You're right. like, is Which she is dead? Like, all, what, you know, what a great little sequence that it's is, good, where yeah. she's like coming out of there, and then she like just kicks the woman from behind. Well, she doesn't and, even yeah. look; she just right. kicks, yes, just it, without turning herself, kicks, and just boom, and she like, falls and hits to be her head. standing at the top of a flight of stairs. I mean, yeah, it's almost like Chaplin esque kind of that, uh, that scene. Definitely, you is. know, physical comedy there, but mixed with terror. To wrap my point up, I guess is that at the end you get the first real glimpse of like how kind of shitty these rich people are. You know, the husband's talking about sure. the smell. You know? Well, that, that they, comes up a little before the very end. Well, but yeah, it comes, they it, plant the seed. They, they plant the seed. He talks about it in the, yeah, it's when the husband's hiding under the table with the daughter and yeah. the son. He's hearing this criticism about his smell, but then it keeps coming up. That kind of thing keeps coming up until eventually he snaps. But right. Yeah, but it, it's not until the very end that they make you think that this rich family actually is kind of shitty. Right, right. No, there's nothing that's and, you know, terrible about them. But it's kind of the same with it, you know, even with the scheming, you know. So I think there, there's a lot of great things. That, and I agree with you. I don't think... And both their um, um, interpretations of the rainstorm is when... For me, that's when the real turn happens. Where sure, you're like, fuck these rich people. Yeah, you know? yeah, right. But but I, but I don't think. But but honestly, even then, I don't think I was fully like fuck these rich people. No. I think it was more look at how insulated they are. Look at how they have no awareness and, and, of and look at the how devastating this is. Right. But, but for me, that's fuck them. Well, it is kind you're of adults. But it, but you know, I, I don't know. I I think that the film does a really interesting job of pulling together these things like it sets the stage in that sub-basement dwelling like from the very opening shots of it where you're seeing it they're fumigating the neighborhood they're they're like let it in so that we can right. you know get the, the benefit windows, of the fumigation no. right yeah um yeah. yeah. they, they want control. their parasites taken care of right yeah. you know that kind of so you know their life is so you know it just looks terrible you know what i mean like not even and they're probably not even the worst off in that city is the reality their meal is a bag of chips and they're, a couple of sodas exactly and they're folding pizza boxes Just for to make a few meager dollars, right? money and they're even yeah. getting docked money because they don't fold perfectly on the boxes you know so yeah. it's just like this you know insult after insult for this family and yet they're persevering right. yet they're not letting it kill their spirit they're still out there trying he's trying to find a job he's trying to and then they find the job. And then, you know, there's that part of you that's like, okay, of course they would do whatever they could to get a leg up. Now it does get to a point where it seems like, okay. And and the, and the son going to get a job, I mean, is a moral ambiguity. Is it okay to steal a loaf of bread? No. Is it okay to steal a loaf of bread to feed your family? Is it okay to lie? Have you ever tweaked a resume a little bit or, or didn't give the full version of the facts? Well, he even the... rationalizes it, sure. right? He's like, I am going to go to university. Right. I'll pass the next time I take the exactly. entrance Exactly. And he's exam. a bright kid and you yeah. expect, you know, uh, we can forgive him those things. The, the, the big, the first twist 
is the, the housekeeper, the old housekeeper that they have gotten fired through a very interesting method of finding out that she's allergic to peaches yeah. and then sprinkling, like like using a razor blade to dust peach the fuzz, fuzz off yeah. the peach fuzz and then blow it onto her and it puts her into a shock. Then a fantastic scene of the father following her to a hospital and taking a selfie of her at the hospital so that she can appeal to the the, the known kind of um, germ phobicness of, right. of the wife saying that but she has it's TB, yeah. whenever you see that the four lower class folks have made their way into this home the assumption that i make is that it's going to be a class struggle between the rich and the poor mm-hmm. but that's not what this movie is at its heart it's two it's the other poor housekeeper coming back to reveal that her husband is hidden in the basement and has been since she's been let go with no one knowing about it. Right. And him not being able to get out or or communicate with anybody. It's the two sets of poor people struggling to stay close to the wealthy. Mm-hmm. That was just a fascinating twist for me. It's poor yeah. against poor rather well, than poor against rich. Now the movie well, the movie evolves past that into something completely yeah. different. I mean it's end. all of it. It's it's but every, that was so it's interesting. It what I yeah, I mean I'll agree with you there that it, it that the twist but ultimately to me it becomes everybody being fucked by this system that they're part oh, certainly. of. Certainly. That that's um, that's kind of no? Well I don't think the rich people get fucked by that system. Well, they get the resentment of the the family that ends up killing at least one of them well <laughs> right but i think i think that you're incorrect in your assessment show because okay. it is the poor against the rich because you have a family and just a you know a society in general was it in the it was in the pre-show right that bong joon ho says something like uh um you know the distinction between korean film and american film and all this stuff kind of falls away when you realize we all live in the same world and that world is capitalism uh-huh. um and i'm paraphrasing a great deal but um what you have is people that are so uh, you have the majority of the cast suffering at a system in which the rich are able to eat up so much of the resources mm-hmm. that the poor are left fighting against each other yes to a certain extent for scraps but it's only because income inequality is so vast mm-hmm. and the distribution of resources is so heavily on one end of the spectrum. Yeah. So, I mean, like, there's no reason that that family can't hire both housekeepers. Right. Or, or, but, you know, and things like that. And, and it, it, But it's it, it goes beyond just what that one family can do. You know? But now they got dirt it's on that, one another to not expose the other's misdeed, the two the two warring poor families. Well, in yeah, the but they, would, they wouldn't even be in that situation if there wasn't if the wealthy class weren't hoarding all of the wealth and not you know and because because the system makes it so that if you are rich you can keep all of your riches and there's no the the trickle down thing doesn't work you know like yeah and so the majority of the population is left to fend on scraps while the very very small minority of the population sits on their gold mountains and well uh, maybe we're both right in the sense that the essential struggle of that portion of the film is poor family warring uh, versus other poor family in like a struggle to the death yeah in order to take part of a system that maybe we all agree is not ideal yeah 
And it, to, and be close it, to, the, I guess, to be close and, to the resources, but going, to going be close back, to the wealth. Well, not to be close to it, just to get it. But and I would say to take part is, yeah. is misleading because they don't have any choice but to take part in it. It's not like they want to be a part of the system. It's not like they want to have to like live off of this family's resources. Nobody wants to like live off of another family. You want to be able to support your family on your own and be able to generate your own income and your own food and your own shelter, but the system is such that that is not an option for either of the families. Right. But but to go back to the point that you started with earlier, Carlos, that the film doesn't really vilify either any any party totally like there's lots of positives and negatives i think part of it is to me at least in watching it the wealthy are 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 trapped in their own way and i'm not saying like they're the way they're trapped isn't a better way to be trapped but they're trapped in that they don't do things for themselves and they're not aware they're able to be fooled so easily because they don't understand these things or they don't bother to understand these things like their own children yeah. like the things that the how their household runs the the way their house is laid out that there's actually a sub basement in the house that people could you know these are things that they're oblivious to because they can be right because wealth allows them to be oblivious to it and that bites them in the end you know it like yeah. actually destroys their lives so to me i guess it again it feels like the whole system it's like you know the parasite of the title right clearly the these uh, sort of, you know, poor working class people are parasites on the rich in a sense, in that they are feeding off of the wealth Mm -hmm. in order to be able to get their, you know, their needs met. And when they get the opportunity, like when the family goes away for a vacation, then they really sort of go over the top and they use up more resources than they even really should because they're so... But then you think about it, and the wealthy family in their own way are kind of parasites on the poor, right? They're relying on them for these sort of skilled labor things that they don't want to do themselves, like yeah. the driving, like the cooking, the cleaning, like the tutoring, like the... The, the raising of their children. The raising of their children. They don't want to do these things. They don't feel like spending the time to figure out how to do these things that a lot of us have to spend time figuring out how to do, yeah. but they have the luxury of not being able to do it, and so thus it sort of traps them in a cycle of relying on other people for those basic things, which, I mean, there's plenty of basic things that I rely on other people too. I'm not saying I'm exempt from that. It, it just sort of shows you how in this system of global capitalism that we have, we all get sort of pulled in these certain directions by it that we don't necessarily have full control over or, or at least conscious control over. And that's, I mean, this is smart filmmaking. This oh, is God, very, yes. yeah. very God, smart yes. storytelling in that he's able to do this kind of thing and not for a second while I was watching it was I thinking about all these different... I mean, there, no. there were moments where I was thinking, okay, you know, like the board... But it took me thinking about that film for hours mm-hmm. after yeah. it to really appreciate all the subtlety mm-hmm. of what he was doing. It was just an entertaining film. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I would bring anybody to this film... Compared to the lighthouse from our last episode, yeah. which I know is more of an art house, like it, it's it definitely will, got will put people off because of its yes. tone and other other things. Which I think I agree with our assessment last week. That everybody should go see that. It's not, but this one I would happily bring anybody yeah. to, and like, hey, get over your hang up about subtitles. Oh God, that's go fuck yourself. I'm just you saying that's the thing that you'll hear. <laughs> but I mean, I bet 99 percent of the people I would bring in there would love this film yeah, it's great. just because it's it's just a really entertaining there's comedy there's horror there's, there's, there's fantastic comedy. action 
it's there is actually you know it's got a lot emotionality there's two yeah. shots that i wanted to, to see if you guys if i made it as much of an impression on you as it did me number one the decision the artistic decision to um to put that birthday party in bright, bright, bright daylight and all the horror that occurs during it. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. pretty gruesome. That was a fantastic choice. The other one was... Ari Aster I, mean, I was just going to say, just like our friend Ari Aster... Oh, yeah. Ari Aster could never... Setting yeah. the... <laughs> uh, <laughs> somewhere in the world, Kyle Ferguson is fuming. Uh, and then the second thing, the shot, that uh, the, the one that I go, I go back to in my mind again and again and again is the boy is, has got, um, it needs, requires therapy. He gets it in the form of art therapy through the, the sister of pretending to be an art therapist. He saw a ghost in the house. Yeah. And we learn later that the ghost that he saw was this husband that yeah. was in the basement trying to sneak out to get food in the middle of the night. And because it's a lower basement, he emerges up the stairs. And the shot that they framed, that what the boy saw, yeah. is so... It's good. Beautiful. I mean, it's in, in a weird, weird way. Yeah. And I, my mind goes back to that shot again and again. And of course, a little boy would think that that's a ghost because they did. He didn't know that the, there was a hole in the wall where a yeah. person could come up out of the ground. Right. Yeah, of course not. It was a really great movie. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was one yeah. of the best um, experiences I've had in a theater this year. I do want to talk for a second about the ending, about how you guys felt about yeah. the ending. Did it happen? Um, did what happen? Well, because we see, I mean, because he's writing the letter. Oh, Is you mean so that th- ending or the ending before that? There's a couple endings. So no, I mean, the, I the, mean the climax. I mean, I mean the whole. So the birthday discovering party? that the father has. So after the birthday party, the father is killed. The father of the working oh, class family yeah. has killed the father of the wealthy family. Yes. out of sort of that rage that he has about being thought of as lesser than. Well, you know, yes, and, it, and it's it and it's, also it's sparked by. The, them having no regard for his daughter who's dying. Well, and, not not just that, but the the real moment where he clicks, he he snaps is uh, the wealthy the husband is trying. Yeah, he's trying to roll over this dead body to get the keys underneath it, right. and he still, even in the most dire circumstance, where like he's literally touching a dead man that he just watched die, right, and is trying to save his son's life, still can't like get over himself enough to not be bothered by the smell right. of poorer people yes. yeah that and that is the straw see, that and breaks. when he sees that he's like you know what fuck this guy yeah and like yeah, yeah. kills him right so so there's that so the 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 poor father has been you know put into the situation of needing you know, to flee the scene where he needs to flee and then you find out after his son has been released you know he, he's been hospitalized and and comes out his son goes to like you know just sort of surveil the house look at it you know remember this whole traumatic incident they had and he realizes that he's getting morse code signals from his father who has now taken up residence in that basement which happens or, before in the film the morse code thing right yeah. yes yeah it does so there's they, just so much they that set that up we could never absolutely talk about absolutely right. so you know but gets this message where the father explains his whole you know after the it all went down i retreated and here i am and i'm just gonna be here until you know i can you know you know i don't know for all time right that that this kind of this is the life i'm gonna live out and then the son his response being 
well, I'm going to work my hardest to be able to do this. And we see this sort of fantasy sequence where he's imagining that he's going to earn enough money to be able to buy this home and inhabit the home and then allow invite the father back up to the ground level and to be able to, you know, be out with the, the family again. Um, but then but then we see the final shots are him in that that has not right that's not happened that's like we're left with that's this sort of hope this aspiration that he has Mm -hmm. how did you feel about that i thought that okay so he flees the scene and he's still on the lamb and then we learn like you said that he uh doubled back and went into the basement and then closed that basement door that no one knew about except a housekeeper who is now dead yeah and the family who would never give that information up i felt it was a clever twist that it was a clever twist, but it 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 it, it didn't need to be there in the sense of oh, God, and, you've oh. given us so 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 much. I talk about I the Morse like code. The, there was a lot of information in the last few minutes. Yeah, um, he's destined to be subterranean. Yeah, no, I I I really, which is where he began. I loved it. I don't know. The, the, to me, this whole like it it put the whole thing into this beautiful package where mm-hmm. it's like. Of course, he's going to be confined there. Of course, the son is going to want to do this. And, and never yet I was felt like it will never happen. Right. right? I was felt like, and, and even best case scenario, if it did, it's not like the son has somehow risen up. He's just taken a space that's already there. I don't know. Like, it, it's not like society is actually moving forward mm-hmm. to where there's more equality, more opportunity for everybody. It's just, if I can be one who's lucky enough to be able to make it to this point, then right. I can help free my dad. I can be part of that elite that does that. It, I don't know. It was, it was a really sort of, uh, I don't know. It was, I wouldn't say hopeless, right? but it felt a little bit like that. And, and the whole speech in the middle, which we didn't really talk about with it, well, not in the middle, towards the end, where his dad is talking about not having a plan. Like, his plan mm-hmm. is having no plan. Oh, God, because we, there's we, we can list no scenes. control. Yeah, yeah, no. Over and over. Whenever he's acting out, like how he's going to get the, the job, and yeah. Yeah. you're up yeah. here, but you need to... You know. yeah. So, it, I mean, Ooh. it sounds like we're in Great full movie. agreement here. This is a movie that everyone must see. Yeah, for sure. If you don't, you're playing yourself. I mean, it's <laughs> really... Um, so is this a beer that everyone should drink? To me, this is a very, very tasty blueberry sour. Agreed, it's really good. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was good enough that I picked one up Friday night, ended up drinking it, went back the next day, bought two more, yeah. <laughs> thinking that I was going to drink one that night and then bring the other one home. But I ate a big Burger Boy. Uh, Burger Boy is a place in San Antonio you should go if you haven't been. Okay. Um, and didn't have it in me to drink a full 32 ounce crowler so i ended up bringing both home sours but. sours aren't my go-to beer but I, I tell you this one is a fantastic example of what sours can be you add lactose to it and then the uh they're dry hopping it with you know they're dry hopping it no they're not it didn't say it's, scr- it's scratched out I was going to say, because I didn't taste a hop thing, no, but I, I thought no. that they would just masterfully have done this. No, okay, no, so that was a typo out. that got scratched out? I don't think it was a typo. I think it was just on, they're just like reusing like a label or Is something. Roadma- Cause, cause, Roadmap, cause must, a be, roadmap must be a relatively new brewery in San Antonio? 
You know, I actually don't know when they opened. Because uh, with all my travels up there, I, I just hadn't come across them yet. But I got to tell you that I think th- this a is a brewery years. that I would look forward to tasting more and more of their beer with from. Yeah. Are you looking it up, David? I'm, I am trying to. But yes, I, I, this, I'm going to be the Joe Rogan of this w- podcast. David, can you pull that up? We, we did have we did have <laughs> the other one, right? Carlos was reminding me we had had one. Some One of our friends had brought some Roadmap beer to a bottle share at some point. I think it was Kunstler. Okay. Okay. So we hadn't had any roadmap. Okay. No. Yeah. So I think this this may be my first time as well, and I'm definitely uh, definitely a fan. No, I'm not really finding their their open date, but it doesn't seem like they've been around that long. I don't no. think they have been. Yeah. Well, let's see. <laughs> this is fantastic. So we, <laughs> anyhow, we really enjoyed this one. Um, First anniversary party Saturday, September fourteenth. Yeah, so just over say. a year. Oh, okay. Yeah. So a little. Established twenty eighteen. Yeah. There we go. So in that, yeah, I'd be curious to know who the brewer was and where they came from. But th- this it's a big this, place for just being. This here. beer is fantastic. Blueberry sour with lactose. How often do you see lactose in a sour? I, I... not that often unless it's from Ingenious. It's yeah. I was going to say it's it's, it's it's coming around. I think you know yeah, boosting the body and and giving it that slightly creamier kind of mouthfeel, which yeah. I think works really well for this. So all for it. I wasn't. Oh, I thought you were. No, on. I was. <laughs> How's Millie Rock? <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, we, we'll take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about one of Bong Joon Ho's earlier films. Yeah. It also well, deals with of, class. Yeah. yeah, it's earlier. Yeah, and uh, and we'll also crack open another beer. Delicious. We'll return. You guys weren't ready for that one, were you? Um, No, but that's good. You're keeping us on our toes. So I've got another beer. You guys don't know what this is, do you? You Uh, Did y'all read the label just now? No, I I saw the brewery, and I'm very excited. Yeah, you know. Yeah. When we have something from this brewery, Uh and that I'm that I stand this brewery, I'm a big fan. So we got something from Ingenious. Uh, Shouts out to Nathan, and I can't believe I'm going to say this. Shouts out to Pink Hat too, uh, because shouts out to Pink Hat. He brought you beer. Come on, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he did. Um, but yeah, him and my Pink Hat and, and Nathan went up to. They went to Florida a couple weekends ago to a music festival. But on the way, stopped in Houston. Uh-huh. And I got a text from Nate and was like, "Hey, we're here. You want do you want a crowler or two? And I said, "Yes." So yeah. don't ask dumb questions. Yeah. <sighs> so this one is a, uh, a thema- French. A French toast batter brown ale. Woo! <laughs> Thema- Woo! And one of our thematic breweries, yeah. meaning we revisit this one again and again and again. again well, this actually again. works oh, really shit. well because as Carlos is pouring this, I'm going to let folks know that the uh, film that we're going to be talking about is Snowpiercer, uh, Bong Joon-ho's 2013 film uh, that's actually based on a French graphic novel. So the French toast brown ale. Well, I think Carlos thought what all a perfect Carlos pairing thought, yeah, he thought all you've that brought out. in with us there here. Yeah. Uh, and, and who is the beer from? I don't think we've mentioned. Ingenious Brewing. Uh, yeah. If you've listened to our podcast Ooh, for oh my a long gosh. period of time, you that, know that we're big Ingenious fans, Carlos being the leader of the pack. That is maple for days on that nose. French oh my toast gosh. butter. 
Butter or batter? It's handwritten. It's difficult it's, to read. I think batter. Okay. French toast batter. 5.5 brown ale. That's what it says, right? Yeah. It doesn't say it on there. Okay. Well, that's what you said. That is what I said. Okay. What is it about Ingenious Carlos that you love so much? You're their biggest advocate on the show. I am. I think that, uh, you know, they make beer fun. Like, they do a lot of fun stuff like this, you know? And um, not that other breweries aren't fun, but you can count on Ingenious to um, constantly uh, be pushing the envelope as far as, like, what flavors they can put into a beer. Now, I will say, for a brown ale, that's a light. It really is. It's, a very, light. it's, it's more of an amber, it. I would say. It's very light, but, yeah. Uh, I, I, but the nose is definitely. But the nose, the point, nose yeah. dictates that the it was it was titled correctly. You can right. smell French toast in this thing. Yeah. So th- this is going to be fun to drink while we talk a little bit. You we could have picked so many of his earlier films. Uh-huh. And when I saw the host uh-huh. uh, uh, on the recommendation of everybody back when it became first available on demand or DVD or whatever mm-hmm. it was, I, I, I did not. I did not note the director and okay. follow him. Mm-hmm. I wish I had. I have not seen Okja yet. Yeah. And uh, but, the, but oh, I'm sorry. I'm a fucking liar. Uh, it is an American amber slash red. Okay. All right. Well, look at that. All right. At least I could detect the color. You're a parasite, Carlos. <laughs> uh, I, I look. I look forward to going back, and I will. I will tell you up front. Uh, I had not. Had you seen? I know you'd seen this film. You probably rewatched it, David, didn't you? Snowpiercer. Yeah. No, this is my first time watching it. D- Carlos, is this your first time? Finish your story, and I'll tell you. After. It had made so many of those top. Ten lists yeah. of two thousand yeah. and what fourteen, and and I uh, it had, has been on my list. It's been on my spreadsheet to see. I was eager to see it. I didn't you know, but that that we could pair it with Parasite. Good call. So, I will say, right now at the top of the second half of the episode, that I think that I am a Bong Joon Ho fanatic at mm. this point. Mm. Um, and I say that having not seen any of his movies until I saw Parasite, which I know like makes me a hashtag fake fan or a hashtag bandwagon. No. It, um, and, but and let me just say Johnny come lately. that that is yeah. a sad that is a sad assessment of how we treat each other as fans of things that we have this like knee jerk reaction. Oh, how long have you liked it? Yeah. I hate not that. long. That is that I is hate, the part. I hate it too. When I was coming up and I was getting into punk or I was getting into whatever, like the fact that people would hold it over my head. I hadn't heard this band yeah. or I hadn't listened to that. You album could never have been into punk long enough unless you were at the Starlin Ballroom watching the Germs live in nineteen whatever seventy nine. <laughs> right. right, and even then you should have been seeing the Stooges live back yeah. in sixty nine. I mean, it's uh, all right, guys. Yeah, I'm just saying. (laughs) Okay, the question was: Is this your first time? I'm happy that you're feeling like having seen two of his. Oh, I feel the same way. I I had seen the host, and then Parasite, and then Snowpiercer. But you were saying you're a fan. Well, I think that I'm a fanatic now. Uh, Okay, because I cannot stop thinking about or get enough of his movies at this point i the next day after watching parasite i came home and immediately watched snowpiercer right but what makes me really sad about the whole thing is i remember when snowpiercer came out mm-hmm. very, pretty vividly sure. and i remember thinking oh, what a piece of shit that looks, that looks like. crappy you know like <laughs> what the fuck is this they're yeah. on a train chris evans god who fucking cares man like yeah. moving on and i thought that it looked like the stupidest dumbest american bullshit action movie that i had seen a trailer for that but had year. you noticed or seen that it had made a bunch of critics lists that year i did not i don't i i I, I was watching a lot of movies at the time, but I was not as actively keeping up with what was in the theater uh-huh. 
And I certainly wasn't keeping up with what was coming out that wasn't in our theaters uh, in the way that I am now. At the time, it was more just like, okay, well, whatever comes here, I'll go see if it looks interesting, and I'm going to watch all the classics that I haven't seen before. Um, I was probably like really getting into Lars von Trier at the time. Um, But these are still the two films that you've seen. Only two I've seen. But because coming straight off of Parasite and watching Snowpiercer the very next day and being like, what the fuck? This is amazing. This guy's got a voice. Yeah, this is... This movie does not have any right to be this good based on just the premise, Mm -hmm. you know, of like, oh, there's a wait, there's a train and the world has ended because it's frozen, but the train's still going and there's still (laughs) (laughs) Tilda Swinton's wearing some weird teeth. Yeah, that was a whole thing that was happening. And um, someone synopsized this thing. Right. Just that. Yeah. Yeah. So so this is this is like a. You know, it's a science fiction film. It's a dystopian film, uh, and but it's not too far in the future. It's as if the world or some organization, world governments have gotten together, tried to fight climate change by sort of unleashing this whatever it was, like some sort of climate bomb or something. something. It was like a. It, well, what was really funny about that, actually, because it was a chemtrail. <laughs> like, <laughs> basically, when they were they were dispersing it into like right. a certain layer of the atmosphere, and yeah. when they show that happening very briefly, it looks yeah. like a chemtrail. Yeah, yeah. So you know, but this thing is supposed to help reverse global Which aren't warming. Real, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> supposed to reverse gro- global warming, but yeah. in fact, it does it too well. Yeah, and it creates essentially like a new ice age or something where the planet is just inha- uninhabitable yeah. by humans, and somebody. This who we don't know, the conductor of this train had the foresight to develop this train that would just travel on this track that circumnavigates the globe. Yeah. And yeah, right. It's It's a self-sustaining train. It's a self-sustaining train that can go endlessly, supposedly, as long as it just keeps running. Yeah. And um, and internally, it's like keeping people warm and all that sort of stuff. But we don't find that out until way later. No, it it gets explained later on in the film. All you know is that people are kind of trapped on this train and An arc of sorts. We start in the very tail of the train mm-hmm. with the people who are really with nothing. They're being given just like these, what do they call them? Protein, Protein bars, bars uh-huh. that they're subsisting on. Um, they have no space to themselves. They're just crammed in there like cattle. And this representative of the front of the train comes fairly early on, played by Tilda Swinton, to kind of explain to them, hey, you know, stay in your place, keep, keep doing what you're doing. We, we assure you this is how things have to be, blah, blah, blah. But some folks there are not taking that as an answer. And there's talk of there's been these attempts at a rebellion revolution. Re- yeah, right. Rebellion before. And so the film then kind of follows this new rebellion that's going to go on. That's led by the Chris Evans character. And the goal uh, is simple. Go from the back of the train to the front of the train. Right. They know that the conductor's at the front. They uh-huh. know that there are these people who have more privileged spaces on the train. And if they can get there, they assume that they may be able to help. Have uh, a better lot in life. Yeah. Whatever right. life this is. Yeah. Well... They assume that if they can not just have not just have a better lot in life, but make everyone's lives better, because if they control the engine, they control all of the resources on the train. Right. And as it stands currently, only the elite in the front are given access to all of the resources. We learn that. that we learn have. what the depth of the resources on the train are well, as yeah. we travel forward. Well, yeah. But I think from the outset, it's clear that... Mm-hmm. 
the people at the front have stuff the people at the back don't mm-hmm. now the extent of that is what makes this movie so magical revealed as we go when that when that happens when they start advancing that was when i was like oh god this is master class of like allegory action movie filmmaking yeah. because it is an action movie at the end of the day like there's these crazy fight mm-hmm. scenes like yeah really really good fight scenes uh but the the design of everything i mean yeah. there's just like there's not a moment of it that's like dull and if it is dull it's supposed to be because the monotony of their lives and all that kind of stuff and also i was really surprised at all like the kind of heavier hitters that were in this because you had chris evans who acts his ass off in this movie, has never been as good in anything as he's probably in this movie. Tilda Swinton, mm-hmm. Octavia Spencer, now Oscar winner, right? Yeah. Um, um, Jamie John Bell, Hurt. John Hurt. Hurt. In one John of his Hurt. last film roles. Yeah. Um, Ed Harris, yeah. we find later on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, really surprised, especially when I saw Octavia. Yeah. yeah, especially when I saw Octavia Spencer, because, I mean, at the time, she... She wasn't at the height of her powers she quite wasn't, yet. She yeah. wasn't, uh, she hadn't done what was how did they refer to it hidden fences that was the <laughs> the blub at there the fumble at the Oscars. Do you remember when that happened? No, someone someone referred to it as hidden fences. Oh right, it because it the was... movie Fences had come out as well, the Denzel movie yes, based on right. the play or whatever. Yeah, 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 it was yeah, like, yeah. Oh yeah, okay, two black movies put them together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I realized that was kind of funny. I, but I do remember that now. Someone said, David, I think it was you, or no, Carlos, it was you. There was so much that happens in Parasite, we could spend an hour just talking about the plot snow piercer as well snow piercer as well know that there are similar themes between the two films class struggle uh the haves and the have nots the, yeah the the desire to have more than you do but being controlled by forces outside of you yeah and in parasite we're looking at a, a the world as we know it that could have been any city mm-hmm. yeah but in the train, it's all allegory. It's all yeah. condensed to whoever who who is on the train. The poor people in the back, the rich people in the front. That you and Remner guy that you mentioned, yeah, is that his name? Yeah, that's the train spotting guy. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because Spud, because mm-hmm. Julian Donkey Boy. Yeah. Because yeah, I, yeah. I haven't seen Julian Donkey Boy yet. Okay. But I also, yeah, I recognize him, and I was like, wait, is that that guy? Yeah, uh, it is. It is. Um, yeah. I agree with what you're saying, Joe. Um, Finally. <laughs> we agreed about Lighthouse. Um, and Parasite. <laughs> yeah, and Parasite as well, earlier this episode. Um, you know, I thought it was going to be about climate change in the beginning, which uh-huh. I guess technically a little bit that it is, you know. Um, but then when it starts to play out, and here's here's something that I've noticed, and, um, you know, it's it's obviously, uh, if you've ever seen it, kind of a big part of Old Boy. Um but until recently, that was really the only Korean movie I'd, I'd ever seen. Um, and maybe it's with foreign films in general, uh, and I just hadn't picked up on it. But because I watched these two in such quick succession, and obviously, you know, Old Boy is like the Korean movie. You're always going to look at that in comparison, especially when the genres are similar, too. But Korean movies have a twist and then a turn. And then they twist the turn again. Like, there's like a bunch of endings, kind of, you know? Yeah. And that happened in Parasite a little bit, but it happened in this one, too, where it's like he gets to the front, and then it's, you know, this whole thing, but then you find out about the relationship between Ed Harris and John Hurt's characters, yeah. and, like, right. Curtis, Chris Evans' character, is supposed to take over this train, and, like... It's just, almost like Willy Wonka. If you can yeah, get to the yeah. end, it, you the, become the new leader. But then, but then also, even before that really happens, you realize that um, the character who I cannot 
I don't know the actor's name because it, there's no point of reference for a Korean right. name for me, but he was in Parasite as well. He played the dad of the poorer family. Right, Song Hang Ho. Um, he, he, for you know, the first kind of bigger twist is you find out, oh, he's not actually addicted to this narcotic that you think he is the entire time. He's just getting saving it, it to up. save yeah. it up to use it as an explosive yes, later right, right. and then curtis gets in the front and then all of that stuff starts happening and then it's and it it just and then the ending's all fucked up too and not fucked up but <laughs> it like also kind of turns you upside down a little bit because none of the people you thought were going to be at the end of this movie make it to the end of the movie no no you know it's the daughter of the song Song Hang Ho. Song Hang Ho. Song Hang Ho. Song Hang Ho character, um, who is this security expert that helps them, uh, you know, get past all the security protocols and the Mm -hmm. doors and everything, unlock all the doors. His daughter makes it, and then like Timmy, was it Timmy that made it? Yeah, it was a kid. Yeah. and you're just like, what the fuck? You know, like, uh, <laughs> at least it's male and female. And then there's a whole twist about race. the earth warming up too. You know, like you get that. I mean, there's just like so, like with these movies, the end of it is so dense. It is. Like, there's so much that happens in it, and I think that's one of the things that I think the reason that this movie, Parasite, are so much more affecting than what we're used to with Hollywood films is because we're used to things getting really intense at the end of the second act, and then the third act gives us that time to kind of decompress, and a lot of times things get wrapped up in a bow, or like there's some kind of like slower kind of ending to it, and these are just like, ramp it up, ramp it up, ramp it up, okay, movie's over now. <laughs> and so so when you leave, you're just like, fuck, like, what do I do? And, that, and I think th- that not only changes how we feel about them at the end, but it also is probably one of the reasons that we end up thinking so much about it afterwards, Mm -hmm. as opposed to when you leave a more traditional kind of Hollywood movie, Mm -hmm. you're like, okay, that was cool. If you could see the um, schematic of the train, it seems like the world's longest train. Mm. Yeah. And of course it's got a a lot of population. The last living population on earth, we're to assume. Yeah. uh, We're told. We're told. And uh, it appears that like, the back third of the train is hell. Yeah. Where uh, protein bars are, are dis- distributed. Made we, from bugs. We learn that, that right. th- they learn where those, they've been eating the protein bars, gratefully. Thank you, we've got some food. But we learn that, yeah, they're, just, they're made f- th- from all of the roaches on the train. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then once you get past a certain point on the train, you enter into this, like, almost nirvana. Lavish. Where, where, where it's lavish for the wealthy who, who for whatever beautiful reason, classroom. made it to that point. Yeah. A beautiful classroom, a sushi. A psychopathic a, teacher. A, uh, a a rainforest that, that works. Yeah. You know, that, that, that creates vegetation and vegetables for, yeah, it's crazy. Right. for, for the upper class. Uh, you guys can have your ro- nightclub, your roach yeah. bars. There is a nightclub. There's a rave happening. But what it also does, it sets up set pieces as you go. Yeah. Where the director can switch the look of the film for oh, this yeah. many minutes while we do this fight scene, perhaps, or this yeah. uh, allegorical lesson, perhaps. Drastically changes the tone. But it really gets odd in that classroom. That's... There is so little exposition. You're learning as you go. And oh, that's yeah. what I loved about this movie. Until you get to the classroom where they teach teach the audience a little bit more about the past by watching the children have their lessons, right. seeing a, a video that's presented to the kids for them to learn who the inventor of the train is. He is the conductor. What's uh, his name? Wilford. Wilford. Right. 
uh, played by, like you said earlier, Ed, Ed Bradley. Ed Harris. <laughs> Ed Harris. Wilford Brimley. Wilford Brimley, yeah. Uh, it was a joke. Um, it's a but, good joke. But, huh? It's a good joke. Thank you. So, um, then it goes from the classroom and then, like I said, into these beautiful set pieces where, where that are going to be optimal for some fantastic fight sequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then different styles of fight sequences as you move from train to train to train. And that... Gunfire and here, uh, a martial arts here. Firefight. Yeah. Well, that classroom scene is fucked up because you think the bullets are done. Like you think <laughs> right, you have been told they're, they're being controlled bullets, by right. empty guns because all the bullets have been used in previous rebellions. In previous rebellions, yeah. But and, and that point is even proven to you at a certain point mm-hmm. when Chris Evans is like, "Yeah, fire yeah, that right, shit," right, and then right. it just clicks or whatever. Right. But then all of a sudden. What what were they hiding them in? Oh, when they pull out the machine oh, guns? Oh, eggs, right? They, eggs, when they that's what the it eggs is. The hard-boiled yeah. Oh, yeah. God. And then all Which of would sudden, be a treat for someone that well, yeah, that's only had roach train, bars. just had roach bars, yeah. That's... Well, yeah, if you're from the tail end. But if you're one of the classroom kids, they'd be like, hard-boiled eggs, fuck out of here. Oh, come on. Give me they, one of those. That, fi- I, hard-boiled eggs have one of the most disgusting smells. Well, I'm, um, I'm, not, I'm not taking that away, but I'm saying, like... Given that you're trapped on a train, I think even they like the sushi. They made a point of saying this was a once a year indulgence yeah, that they allowed it's, it's themselves. The new year. Yeah. So that they twice were doing year, that, which means they've gone January twice a year. July. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. But so I don't think they're eating that well all of the time. So the fact that you would have fresh eggs that you could. Oh, make I got the it, impression that they were eating eggs all the time. No, no, no. The eggs were a. a Especially. We're part of a celebration. Yeah. They, they they explain that we're getting bogged down in some. But yeah, that, that's. <laughs> I just hate hard boiled eggs. What else that's do you, what you need to take away from this? All right. So yeah. I did. I did. You know, I I like Snowpiercer a lot. Um, I I think. Uh, I think what Joe was saying, it, it's an interesting film to look at back to back with Parasite in that th- this is a film that I think it's true. It You're trapped on a train and yet because the train is so segmented and these places are like the, the look of the film changes pretty regularly. I mean, there, yeah. there's a long section in the tail of the train at the beginning to kind of set us up in the first act. Very but then grim. once we start making progress, we start seeing these different sections and the look does change quite a bit. Which, which makes me think about Parasite and how bound it was to these two locations, the family's apartment and then the large, lavish, yeah. modern home that the other family lives in. And how as much as there was kind of a repetition to it, I never got bored with it. I don't know. So the, the, I, I think well, that, that house was lovely in Parasite. It was. It was. I mean, and Lots uh, to look at. Immaculate. Immaculate. And then you get the dingy kind of underworld of it yes which yeah. is a great great contrast metaphor yeah yeah absolutely you have the family that god he's has, so good has a house large enough that they can put everything away and just all the clean straight lines yeah. of a modern house are there to be seen you know unfettered by any clutter and then you have the family's apartment where they can't they have no room to put anything and the, the few toilet. things that they have they have to keep yes right and the toilet oh yeah, god yeah. Was... The, the sewage backup scene well, well forget just that even before. the fact that no, it's like crouch it's like it's spouting like a fountain like a yes. Bellagio but fountain their toilet's but up he, on a ledge right. you have you to have like have crouch to, like, yeah. to be on it yeah yeah, yeah. That's, that's intense so I mean it, it's interesting I think he is and and this I think carries through his other films too. That I'm I I know Joe's seen some, and and I'm sure we we will all look at the others that that we haven't seen already. Um, you know I think as a sort of um, production design standpoint yeah. with his films, there's something really incredible about all of them that yeah. I've seen, where there's always a very 
you you think about it and there there's a deliberateness about how he is setting up these these spaces for these characters to inhabit that really helps support the story that he's telling Uh in all the cases i I read a quick note today that uh, this is uh, remains the highest budgeted film in south korea of all time snowpiercer yeah Yeah. really which is interesting so this one very successful Uh uh-huh Made the money. I can't remember what what the budget was. Was it like forty mil? Yeah, something. Well, yeah, no, because okay. yeah. Parasite was more than that. No, Parasite was only eleven million budget. I thought it was like seventy. No, hmm. no. I mean, there's not seventy million dollars not, on the you screen. You don't need that. There's no. not. Oh, special I didn't say effects. there was on the screen, but because no, no, but it they was, had seventy something days to shoot. That's what it was. Yeah. So so Snowpiercer budget was <laughs> that's a okay. long time. I'm, I'm looking. <laughs> budget was forty million. Box office. It ended up making eighty six point eight million worldwide. Parasite made more than that. Parasite. Made for eleven about eleven million dollars has already made a hundred and fourteen million worldwide. Yeah, it's been doing really and well. it's fantastic. Still, and it's still playing campaign. here. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, th- this is definitely you know he's he's on the ascendancy here with oh, this one. This yeah. is a huge film. It'll be really really interesting to see what kind of project he decides to take and on next because I, I feel we'll like he can pretty it. much. Yeah choose whatever sure. he wants to do i think he was able to with parasite oh sure but i'm yeah. just saying like the, the sky's the limit right now yeah, i think i think if he had an idea for something and that's what I, again going back to give me the joker films, sequel these films are entertaining films yeah. this is yeah. what's like i love robert eggers i i love uh harmony corinne i love i love filmmakers who make films that aren't necessarily there to entertain me um, although Harmony Corinne does entertain me, oh, but the, you know what I'm saying. But but I, I like films that challenge me. And Bong Joon Ho to me is a filmmaker who yes challenges me, but always Entertains. entertains me at the same time. Thrill rides. And for that reason, although they're not all thrill rides, Watch well, Mother. The, well, watch, the, well, the two we watched. Yes, right. Were thrilling. Um, but you know, the, but that isn't always the case. But they're always entertaining. And I feel like he's the kind of guy who. Whatever he does next, it's going to still be entertaining. He has that interest, and in, you know, it seems like his his biggest, um, you know, the, the filmmaker who's maybe influenced him the most, at least that I've heard him reference the most, is Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think he's very interested in pulling his audience in and getting them to take that journey that he wants them to take. And so, to me, that that right there is enough reason to be really excited about him having per- perhaps. At least the ability to get whatever budget he wants with a his director next to watch. Film. Yeah. Have you sure. seen Okja? Yes. I'm okay. glad that you brought that up because I'm so mad at myself because so many people recommended that movie to me and well, it was on Netflix. There's no reason I shouldn't have seen it, but I didn't seen, know. I didn't know anything about it. I've seen the host. Nothing. And you, I know you've seen Mother. Yeah. Direct Carlos as to the next step he should take. It's going to be Okja for me. Well, in terms of easy access, it's got to be Okja because that's available. It was a Netflix yeah. film, at least yeah. here in the States. And yeah. Snowpiercer, we saw it. We streamed it. That's on Netflix, on Netflix as well. Right. right. Um, so, you know, I would say, yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. But but, it, but it's not even because of that. It's I feel like I'm uh, righting my wrongs as a film The films that you had heard about that you should have. Because so many people are like, Okja, it's really good. And I looked at it and I guess... Same I, thing as Snowpiercer, perhaps. And I guess I saw... Well, but nobody told me that was good. Uh-huh. I just saw it and I was like, "This is dumb," and I never thought about it again. Right? Uh, Okja, all these people are like, "Yeah, it's so good. It's on Netflix. You got to see it." And then I've got a lot of friends that are kind of like into anime and shit mm-hmm. like that. And so when I saw it, <laughs> and like I, and I saw, uh, you know, the name of the filmmaker, which was a name I did not recognize. Right? I was like, eh, 
Right. It's probably something like that right. and I'm not going to be that into. And so I skipped it and I fucking shouldn't It's have. sad that you have I that. I fucked it's up. Sad. I'm eager yeah. for you'll, you you'll, also you'll to see, it. though, The Host, which is just a sure. good old-fashioned I'm really excited movie. about that it one. It is after so good. I saw clips of it yeah. in the pre-show for Parasite right. and I was like, dang, this movie looks badass. Like, why yeah. have I not seen yeah. this, you know? And because yeah. I've heard of it, I've heard the name, yeah. but I didn't know made anything about lists, it. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I see. I didn't see it on any of the lists. I haven't seen any of these lists. I'll what send you lists some lists, are you guys Carlos. talking I'll about? I'll send you some lists. Um, no, but, but now, now I'm, I'm gonna end up in like a you know downward spiral. Not to reference anything Trent Reznor related because I would never want to do that, but I just did. Um, well, there's of, a finite amount of films of his of, to watch of Bong Joon Ho movies, right. and. And, I gotta and, watch them all and look eagerly forward to the next. Yeah, one. and and I'm looking forward to watching some of those earlier ones. Yeah, no, for sure. no, no doubt. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. I love yeah. that when you do. You're right, Carlos. When you find a director that that where you're at the beginning of your journey into his or her work. Yeah, that's always a fun place to be. Yeah, I'm very. And you watch the about last his. one, and you go, ah, well, there's always the next one. Yeah, yeah and I, I I'll tell you what, I'm I'm very uh, very bummed that. Uh, my wife was not able to go with me to see Parasite and was also not with me to see Snowpiercer because bummed because I wish that she had and was going to be able to listen to this and have experienced that, but also very excited because that means I get to watch them again. Aislinn <laughs> did not want to go see Parasite with me. Then we watched Snowpiercer, which she loved. And then I went to go see Parasite because she had told me she didn't want to go see it and she got mad at me because I saw it without her. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so yeah. I might be going back to the theater to see Parasite a second time. I hope you can. Yeah. Right. Well, speaking we of awesome things, Ingenious, Carlos, we know is one of your, if not your favorite brewery out there. David, you and I have enjoyed, along with Carlos on this podcast, many Ingenious beers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is our first amber of theirs. It is also my first amber of theirs. Uh, definitely one of my favorites. Definitely excited because they are. Um, they recently had to change up some of their can art. They've had a very distinct style of can art um, for the last two years. I think two years. Uh, yeah, two years. And um, they recently uh, had to change it up because they're moving farther into distributing now. Uh-huh. Um, so hopefully we're going to get some cans or kegs maybe, hopefully somewhere. Yeah, that would be great. Um, this is, yeah, this is my first Amber. It's one. It's on definitely on the lower ABV side of beers that I've had from them before. Sure. Um, as advertised, though, I'd say. Lots of maple in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, lighter bodied again than what I'm used to. It is a lower ABV and not as heavy a style as most of what I've had from them. Um, I, I, you know, I actually think even their Berliner Weiss that I had was higher in ABV than this one, (laughs) Um, which is kind of rare, but I think it's a good beer. I'm, I mean, I'm glad we're sharing it because it is pretty sweet. And maybe a thirty-two ounce crowler. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want a solo. That last that one. sit might not yeah. be as satisfying as the first one. And maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on how long it took me to get through it. Um, but I, I love French toast. I make a very good French toast. Huh. Um, I don't mean to brag. I don't what, mean to boast. But I'm in a continental when I <laughs> eat French toast. Uh, I wish I understood the reference you just made. Beastie Boys. Which song? Don't make me do that. <laughs> okay. Not for, I, th- that Intergalactic. Way. Oh, man. I fuck, I'm, uh, I'm ashamed. I play it a lot when I DJ, but it's I don't okay. remember okay. that line. Let's get back on track. Um, no, that was as on track as we could have been. The Beastie okay. Boys are very important. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I'm yeah. not loving this as much as uh, their, their kind of landmark beers, that yeah. those milkshake IPAs. I yeah. mean, I don't think this is a... 
I don't think this is a failure Agreed. by any means. No. I think it's as billed once we've realized it was an amber, yeah. not not a brown. That's, if that, it was a brown, I think I would have felt like it was it was yeah. it was not quite up to snuff. It was certainly um, off. Style. But I think as an amber that's saying it's a French toast batter amber, I think it works. Yeah. I think to me, the maple flavor, I've had it enough times in something a little more full-bodied yeah. that I feel like that serves the flavor better. I would agree with you. So it, this is in no way a bad beer, right? but it is not a beer that I think I would be feeling like, oh, I need to go back and get that again and again I and again. I completely agree. Yeah. It's, it's more like, okay, I'm glad I had this experience. Yes. Glad I tried it out. I'm glad they're experimenting. Yeah. yeah. And, and I like the idea of something a little bit lighter and sure. easier to drink coming out of the brewery. Yeah. So, you know, maybe I would. If I was going there and I was the designated driver, maybe I would be getting go the for, uh, French, French Toast Amber. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I Just a 5.5 for me, please. I'm driving. <laughs> that's right. Come on. Hey. That's hey, as a Opposed to a twelve point two, yeah, that's it's only pi- it's only point five percent above water. Of course, yes. the as, scale. As, as we know, uh, we've discussed. If it wasn't ingenious, we might even be coming down a little bit harder. We love this brewery so much that we don't want to crap on. No, it at all, I think it's, but it's not a bad beer. No. Yeah. Not, there's no off flavor there. No. I think, and it is as build. This is you, honestly. Ambers are a style that I don't generally go to. I completely agree. It's, it's so, you. but I recognize this as a very good version of an amber with yeah. this addition of the maple flavor. Yeah. So I think as build, it works perfectly. I just don't think it's something that I'm going to go back to again and again and again. Yeah. And, and I don't know if I would say that I'm being easy on it because it's ingenious, because I agree with everything you guys said. I'm glad that I had this experience. But if I had this, I wouldn't get another one of it. Correct. And there's plenty of their beers that I've had, and I just could drink literally yeah. over and over and over and over again. Right. And, uh, you know, it's it's interesting doing something like this. Like, I had another beer from them last year. I think it was. It was a peanut butter wheat. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that sounds odd. It, wa- it sounds odd, but yeah. it was very good. Yeah. Now, that same day, I had a cherry wheat. was not good. Uh, from them from them yeah okay. uh was not good because it tasted like medicine because you know we've been over the cherry right. thing yeah, before yeah. but this very uh very enjoyable experience and i think especially with the kind of beer that they make what kind of their approach to beer making um a lot of it is more just about having that experience and not necessarily about putting down a four pack of it or uh having right. several pints of it back to back or anything like that you, you can't get too upset with a brewery like Ingenious for trying something new and it not, it, it not being their best at their best product but it is that exploration it is that dis, you know, I think you understand what I'm yeah, trying yeah. to say yeah pushing, yeah pushing the boundaries directors are the same way moving it forward lesser works greater works yeah. but appreciating their entire body it's like ranking all the Kanye albums even the worst one is better than most other albums <laughs> what's the worst one? Uh, Jesus is King, probably. You decided? The bars are cringy. Okay. The Chick-fil-A number one with the lemonade thing, get fuck out of here with that. Beats, though, banging. If you gave me an instrumental version of that album, never stop playing it. Beer, movie, and beats. (laughs) Beer, movie, beats. Bears, beats, Battlestar Galactica. (laughs) Uh, What did you think about Parasite? What did you think about Snowpiercer? Um, 
have you seen them? Are you excited to see them? Did you love them? Did you hate them? Uh, what do you think? You can tell us all of your opinions. You can argue with us about the films uh, on all of our social media channels. You can find us on Twitter at Beer Movie Show. You can find us on Instagram at Beer and a Movie, uh, and you can find us on Facebook.com/slash Beer and a Movie TX. Instagram and Facebook. Joe's been doing a great job uh, posting some uh, cool stuff there, and uh, you can also find. Um, a link to the article about the whole Shiner Carbock debacle that we talked about on the top of this episode. If you want to see that there, uh, and then of course, beer and a movie podcast.com is the home base where you can find a link to listen to this episode and all of our past episodes. Absolutely free. Uh, if you're listening to this on the Apple podcast app, go ahead and rate review and subscribe. Subscribing helps you stay abreast about all of our new episodes when they drop. So you can be the first to listen to them. Uh, rating and reviewing us helps us out a great deal. We know you're going to give us a five-star rating, but if you go ahead and leave us a written review, that's very helpful to let us know what you like, what you don't like, what you want to see more of in the future. Um, And I think that overall, we've had a very um, uh, pleasant movie experience with everything we talked about this episode. Absolutely. And we recommend that everybody sees the films. We have a new director that we're excited about, and I can't wait to see more films. Yeah, immensely excited about. Uh, But until next time... Thank you.